Okay. Um, I'm recording now. Okay, as am I. Whatever. All right, so um, when we start, I'm going to say welcome to your... Can we go to a different channel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Good, good call, X. Thanks. Oh, well um, all right, so I'm going to say... Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. Buddy will say I'm your co-host, Buddy. Um, and then you want to jump in and be like, I'm Special Guest X or something like that, however you want to do it. <clears throat> sure, I'm All Special right. Guest X. All right, and then uh, however you want to refer to yourself as. Um, and then and then I'll do the normal one. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, what do we want to call these, auto chess? Is auto chess the yeah. generic term? Okay. <clears throat> Probably. Okay. They call them, I think, auto brawlers, but I like auto chess better. So. Okay. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> right. Just a little bit of silence. Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And I am Special Guest X. And today we're going to talk a little bit about auto chess. But before we do that, buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games. And if there is any game that I feel like has really shaken up at least my kind of gaming priorities, it has been uh, the auto chess genre. Right. Um, specifically because Riot Games released their version of it, which is called Team Fight Tactics. Though the the original mod, which is called Dota 2 Auto Chess, predates that uh, pretty considerably. The reason that it has been so seismic for sort of our gaming lives is it was the gateway to get us all back into playing League of Legends. We recorded a podcast on that last week, obviously. Um, but this is the podcast talking about everyone's new, the the hot new favorite genre, the Auto Chess um, genre, and some of the different games that have cropped up uh because of it now mango and i have only played team fight tactics is that right mango you've only yes. played team fight tactics yeah, yeah, yeah i have only played team fight tactics i've watched a lot of videos about auto chess though um but i know that x you have actually sat down and played the original dota 2 mod yes so just like how dota 2 came out of warcraft 3 auto chess came out of dota 2 and a lot of uh, warcraft 3 custom games have actually been remade in the dota 2 client but auto chess is one of the ones that seem to have broader mainstream appeal to the point where like this the i guess there were like a chinese studio that made the mod they spun off and did their own mobile version and then dota and uh riot both decided or steam and riot valve whatever decided to make their own standalone versions as well and then i guess those are like the big three in the market right now and i've yeah. only played the original auto chess and underlords i've actually never played team fight tactics and so that has come out kind of of left field, I feel like, because, like, you know, this is something that's really only cropped up in the last, what, six, nine months or something like that? Like, less than a year ago, nobody knew who, what auto chess was, and now it's, you know, driving decisions in these major, major game companies. Um, what is, do you think is the appeal of the auto chess genre? It actually reminds me a lot of, like, BR's in that it's just, like, random, but it's so repeatably fun. And they're not, like... They don't take a long time to, to complete a game. So yeah. Yeah, it's I, just very easy to jump into, I feel I, like. I wonder how much of it is is this kind of Battle Royale-like aspect where when you're out, you're out, um, as opposed to 
uh, you know, like a League of Legends or uh, or an Overwatch, where when you're down, you're not out for maybe another ten to fifteen minutes. Right. Um, and you know, may, maybe the market's trending in this direction. We saw League of Legends reduce the the surrender time. Um, uh, we've seen various kind of like don't keep people stuck in shitty games mechanics implemented in a variety of games like Overwatch. Um, yep. Like, I think cancels the entire game if somebody's been detected to cheat, um, but like immediately. So uh, maybe that's kind of, like maybe this kind of instant gratification is one of the one of the the greater market trends, like the driving trend, I guess. Yeah, the same thing with uh, remakes. If uh, somebody doesn't connect to a league game in like the first two minutes or something, uh, the game is you know the game is canceled. Nobody loses LP or anything kind of along those lines. Um, so. Yeah, I, I definitely do think that there is a certain amount of kind of like it's easy to jump into and out of when you're out. You know, when you're out, you're out is a really powerful de- mechanic design that lets people uh, sort of like leave when they want. And I think that that, that it has a more outsized effect than it would, you know, like <clears throat> like I, de- I definitely don't think that auto chess and PUBG are similar games in some total, but that ability to, okay, I died, exit now, you know what I mean, is like, is a really powerful, um, I don't know, that's just, that's, re- that's really powerful in terms of keeping people involved and engaged in your content, I feel like. Right, and also the fact that uh, Underlords and the uh, the original Auto Chess have mobile versions probably skyrockets their player, player base, just the ease of access. And like uh, for Underlords, at least I know I don't know if there's like a PC client for the uh, Auto Chess, the the ones that the uh, I think they're called Dodo, uh, the the dev that made it, the original. But for Underlords, it's basically synced between Steam and your phone. So basically, and you can climb the ladder. Like one of our good friends, Monik has, I think he has gotten the highest ranking <laughs> Underlords ladder, and just that, pl- not so no that, like the game for a week, basically. So that is something that I, I that I am also pretty interested in because at the end of the day, you know, when we did our big episode on battle royales and on PUBG and all of those kinds of games, one of the conclusions that we came to is that <clears throat> even though this game is a lot of fun, it is not a great esport game, right? Just because of like you know like the randomness and uh, and how do you structure sort of like esports matches of PUBG and obviously you know listen people have made it work i know that there are PUBG pros and apex pros i'm sure and all these other kinds of things um but i do get a similar sort of feeling from teamfight tactics uh in the sense that like it doesn't feel as conducive to a, a ranked ladder as some of the more traditional ladder games out there, right? Like Hearthstone or StarCraft II or League of Legends, right? Um, and part of that uh, is maybe just like me not quite understanding like the depths of the strategy in what is altogether a pretty random game. Okay, so if you want to get into the strategy of it, in the original Auto Chess... You would try to get one of the strongest, stronger late game combos. So an example would be all warriors, um, because they just buff each other's um, armor. Mm-hmm. And then there, another combo was knights, which had this re- insane damage reduction buff um, if you got enough of them. And uh, basically, everyone is working toward an end game comp, and then trying to see what everybody else is building. Because although the pool of pieces is random, um, the rarity, the chance of getting a rare piece. Uh, goes up depending on the round number as well as the the total pool there's like a set number of each piece 
So if you see somebody already has like a level two of something you're going for, you may choose not to go for it anymore because it's less likely for you to get it. And if someone has like a level three of it, it's like almost impossible for you to also complete a level three of it, right? So you have to actually look at other people's boards to see what's going on. Sure, but yeah, I, I I definitely think that that is uh I definitely think that that is a big component to these things, right? Like one of the things we also did a uh, a randomization in strategy games episode, and one of the things we talked about is how like when you can manipulate probabilities in order to kind of like coax RNG, where okay, I see that there are Zeds on two enemy teams, I'm not gonna go for Zed, I'm gonna go for Akali instead to fill out my assassin combo or something kind of along those sorts of lines. That is a real strategic decision kind of like born of RNG, and I definitely think that that's real. Alternatively, you could just buy Zed and hold it in your bench to be a dick. That's also true. Yeah, that's... You know, I, I've noticed some interesting things, at least with teamfight tactics, right? Like, there's it's there's very few, like, true gold things, right? You can sell back kind of one-to-one. Um, so you can, can you sell back one-to-one for the two-star and three-stars? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Because I don't if, think you can do that in other <clears throat> chests and underlords. As far as I remember, there is a very small penalty selling back all of your one all of your basic champions can be sold one to one right right, right. so uh, a five gold champion will sell for five gold but if you make a two-star version of it i think it clips like one or two gold off of off of that so like you know if i have a a two-star two gold unit i needed six gold in order to form that unit and maybe i sell him for five gold does that make sense yeah okay that makes sense yeah, but, but it, it lets it lets you kind of buy strategically, right? It lets you like dabble in something like maybe I want that. Um, you know, you've got these broad bands of interest. You know, at, at the ten gold marks, um, so like you've got like ten gold to play with essentially in the middle there. Um, so there's so, but there's... then the strategy the strategy around that then is like the whole interest system, or at least in underlords and uh, auto chess, you basically wanted to hit that sweet spot at fifty gold, so you're getting basically ten gold per round, five from the end of round and five from the interest. So I don't know if that's how it works in TFT, but basically... That is, one... Yeah, that is how it yeah. works. Yep. Okay. So one viable strategy is basically you just play extremely um, frugally early game, so you can hit that 50 gold spike, then you can start spamming the, the refresh to get the stuff you need. Um, another way that's even potentially more viable is you just tank for the first, like, 10 rounds so that you can build up your loss bonus and get to 50 gold and then just, you know, start winning after that. So... So all this is, is is well and good. It's it's kind of modifying chances, but at some level it does come down to several significant pools of luck, right? You've got what you do manage to pull out of the champion pool, uh, you know, how many times you need to re-roll it to get what you need out of it. Um, and then in the actual game itself, there's a fair amount of luck I've found in that because there are a lot of random elements there. And, you know, I'll have matches where I'll fight like the same person back to back and win one and lose the next Um you know, ghosting issues aside, um, how much of that do do we think is going to limit the long term viability of this as a genre? Well, so I don't know how it. Oh, go ahead. Okay, so I definitely do get that feeling. Um, something that has been really interesting for me to watch is because, like, because I'm really deep in Hearthstone, right? And this is also nominally a strategy game in the sense that it's not APM dependent in the way that, like, a lot of other games are. So it appeals to the Hearthstone streamers who are people who, you know, they don't want to be measured, they don't want their success measured in Twitch mechanics, right? Like, being able to get, like, 420 no-scopes or whatever, um... 
but in you know their ability to kind of like think and strategize and be a tactician and those kinds of things right like for instance the very top the very top tft player right now is a hearthstone pro named dog right dog is also the top number one hearthstone pro but he was the very first person when the tft ranked released to hit master tier in teamfight tactics and he also won the very first teamfight tactics which i think was a twitch rivals like esport event they got like four people right half of whom were hearthstone streamers um but something that i definitely do feel is that there is that we're in a honeymoon period right teamfight tactics is new it is there is a a developing kind of like meta but there's it but it's still in beta there's a lot of balancing happening all the time um kind of famously balancing is happening on twitter where like devs for the game will just kind of say like oh hey we're changing this we're changing that like literally a couple of hours ago one of the teamfight tactics devs tweeted out we're changing the way that assassins get excuse me get critical strike bonus damage right so it'll nerf them by about 26 percent in damage or something kind of along those lines there's not really like contemporary you know like there's not really like patch notes they don't really seem to be too concerned with qa teamfight tactics has had a lot of bugs um even when you know before its wide release to the player base like items like runan's hurricane were not working kind of like at all But I think that once the game <clears throat> kind of like settles down and it slows down and its development process slows down because all of a sudden you are worrying about, you know, deploying buggy patches and stuff like that. We're kind of out of this beta phase of the game and everything. Um, I I definitely think that you could see the same sort of thing that you sometimes see in Hearthstone where a meta develops, it's degenerate and not super fun and people walk away from the game for that reason. I suppose that's fair, but then what you can do to mitigate that is just patch around it. Because, like, you can change what abilities, the like, at the at the extreme end, you can change what abilities the pieces have, right? Because each piece has, like, um, well, I don't, I, I, I guess I, I haven't played TFT, so do they only use their ults in TFT? Uh, they use an ability that is called their ultimate. So, for instance, Zed's quote-unquote ultimate is just his Razor Shuriken. Right. Okay, yeah. So that's how it works in the other uh, in auto chess and in underlords. But you can basically change what it what, what what that ability is. For example, if you wanted to buff Zed, you could just change his ult to his real ult, right? Yeah, you could you you could do a couple different things there. And right? then um, I know, for example, they uh, they ner- they sort of rebalanced the dragon race in underlords, which used to be super OP because if you got three dragons, they all started the round with full mana, so they all basically got to ult right off the bat in a round. So they basically changed that to sort of um, make it less oppressive to play against dragons. And then um, a lot of the bugs you're talking about also occurred in the original auto chest. I remember items like Vanguard, I think, not working. Uh, Vanguard being an item that's supposed to give you HP and block a certain amount of damage with a percent chance, but like the percentages were off in the coding or something. But I haven't really experienced that that much in Underlords, because Underlords just seems like a much more polished version of the original auto chest, because they sort of looked at what... I mean, I believe they had input from the uh, the original devs, but the devs decided to do their own thing instead of like being Ice Frog and helping helping through uh, Valve or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, like, Underlord seems very polished. It's pretty good even on mobile. I actually think it might play better on mobile than it does on PC, just, like, the controls are more intuitive on mobile. And um, 
I mean, it's it's definitely the fad of the moment, and it will die down. But I also don't think it's ever going to go away. Kind of like the BR genre, it's always something that people might fall back to as like a comfort game whenever they don't have anything to do, or like they don't have a new release they're looking forward to, or something. You know. So I I, I think that's fair. Um, and you know, obviously, randomness hasn't hurt a lot of other things in the past, and I think this also has kind of the strength of the mobile platform going for it as well. Um, but kind of in that in that vein, um, X, you, you were playing this before any of the rest of us were. Um, has like you know, Auto Chess really kind of gained steam in the last couple of months, but um, was it around for long before then? Like, how how old is the Auto Chess mod itself? Do you know? Oh my goodness. I it's been months. I can't remember if it's been more than a year. Uh but I definitely I wanna say I started playing like I, I don't remember when. I think I just saw a random article about how auto chess was like the most viewed game on Twitch or something. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. So then um I had played Dota 2 in the past, but I had just left it on my PC and not done anything with it. And then when I played it and I got kinda hooked for for a couple months. But it was always sort of like Actually, you know what? MTG Arena sort of slotted into where uh, the original Auto Chess was for me, where I would play it while doing something else, like reading an article or like doing some work. And it never really grabbed me the same way I think it grabbed Monik, where he basically no-lifed it and was like super focused on it. It was always more of a chill game for me. Okay. But I mean, I would say it's been around for like, several months, like maybe close to a year, if I remember. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at this, um, so for at least the Hearthstone community... Auto chess really took off five months ago. That was when uh, that was when the Hearthstone meta was pretty not great um, after the release of Boomsday, and so um, a lot of people started moving into auto chess just to kind of like fill time and as like another game to play, you know, like as another game to play on stream. And uh, so it is a very short-lived. Uh, I think it is a very short-lived genre so far, at, at least. So, so this is what I. So I, I found an article from uh, from January. The reason I am curious about this is because you know uh, th- this is kind of out of the grand tradition of like mods becoming uh, their own genres. Uh, first one is kind of MOBAs. Second one's probably BRs. Um, and uh, BRs are kind of also tied to the survival genre, which is kind of its own weirdness. And then there's this game, right? But it seems to me, at least, that everything before it, those those three other categories I mentioned, had a, a nice long kind of incubation period among kind of the its niche before it blew up into the mainstream. And like survival never really blew up into the mainstream. Um, uh, but like BR and and uh, and MOBAs did. Um, but like you know, Dota One was around for years before it, it made the leap to the real world. VR took a little bit, or you know, had 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 the survival back end, and it took a little to really take off. Um, but this seems to have been much faster. Um, and I can't tell if it's just kind of like trends accelerating, because if you notice, those three in order also you know happen progressively faster. Or if maybe we're kind of at like a a weird tipping point where maybe this genre falls out like as as a fad. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Okay, so I looked it up. It actually released January 4th, so it's not, it's been like half a year, like seven months basically, um, of 2019. So that's when it released. It felt like longer to me. I don't know. That's just a weird time dilation thing I have. But, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's much more casual than the other genres you described, and like the time commitment, and like, 
uh, I just feel like there's such a lower threshold of there's there's a higher ease of access so that it's I don't know it just sure it doesn't I, feel like it's as hardcore as the other modes we were ta- you were talking about that, that's so absolutely that's, true but I wonder if maybe that causes it to fall off at some point right like because it's not as hardcore and because you can't get as hardcore with it right because there's so many like factors on it I wonder if that limits kind of the lifespan of of this of this bubble. I mean, I definitely do think that that is uh, that that's really fair. Just because I think that that's the truth of how almost all games work, right? Um, there are good moments, there are highs, and there are lows, right? Like you know, in Hearthstone, for every Boomsday project, there's rise of shadows, right? I'm looking at all these Hearthstone, you know, I'm I'm looking at all these auto chess videos right around the release, uh, or right around the end of last year when the meta was bad and not really fun, and. Uh, and then all of a sudden it all disappears because a whole bunch of sets rotate out, a new set rotates in that's good and shakes up the meta in a fun, interesting way, and all of a sudden Trump stops playing auto chess. So I think that that's, you know, that's always going to be the case when it comes to, when it comes to games like these, um, and I think... And I think that's probably why the honeymoon period of TFT is the honeymoon period. At a certain point, you are going to see even the people who really love the game, right, who are going to be re-rolling hard and they're going to spend 20 gold re-rolling down so they can find their third Morgana to get a three-star Morgana and they're not going to get it and they're going to lose and they're going to say, oh, the fucking RNG in this game is bullshit. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's just like bound to happen as far as I'm concerned. But that's something you have to recognize. That's an inherent, uh, whether you call it a feature or a flaw, that's just like an inherent part of the game. Like the RNG is like, it, it, it can make you, you feel like it's bullshit, but it's actually not bullshit when you think about it. When you take the emotion out of it, I guess. Well, I mean, it, it, it's bullshit insofar as the game is dependent largely on luck, which, you know, does not which can make for bad gaming experiences if that makes sense right like you know this is why you know uh, certain games are deemed to be not really competitive because they have too much rng and thus you can't differentiate between two skilled you know two skilled players two people of varying skills that go into the arena if the if the more skilled player doesn't always come out on top um then there's 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 a quote-unquote kind of issue there um and, uh, and you know, the, the wider kind of the gap there, there is, like, I'm sure that there is some uh, some differential in skill whereby a, a very good auto chess player will beat a very bad auto chess player. Um, but uh, just in the same way, kind of like there, you know, like uh, a, uh, a very good, say, Magic the Gathering deck will beat out a very bad one, you know, 99 times out of 100 or whatever. Um but the the kind of the issue comes in is to when the like you know uh, how big that gap become or you know how 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 wide that gap is right like how how much worse can you be than somebody else and still reasonably expect to beat them a fair amount of the time and that go that gets higher the more luck you have in a game the, the, yeah. does that make sense yeah but I think that's also kind of the appeal it's kind of like Back in the day when PUBG was really popular and everyone landed at school so they could kill their favorite Twitch streamer, that's kind of the appeal of of of, of that part of the game at that time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, and I also do think that uh, Auto Chess and TFT has a lot of weakness because you are playing against other people, but not in a direct way. So, okay, so, so for instance, one of the things that makes a Hearthstone Pro 
better than a Hearthstone casual is because they like they understand the meta game and they understand they know all of the cards in the meta and they know based on a couple of cards that you play what deck you're playing and they know and they can you know you it's it's insane to watch this where Hearthstone pros will know what is in their opponent's hand just by the context of like of the game but it's a lot harder to do that kind of thing and have that extra kind of like oomph level of skill that separates a hearthstone pro from a hearthstone you know like casual player right like me that separates me from dog essentially right um and i don't know how you do that with tft because you can't there's no secret information to the other players to hide and you're not really like playing them in terms of like their secrets and, and getting like reads on them or anything along those kinds. Well, the, the You're really playing the game. Do you know what I mean? The, the secret would be what build they're going for, right? And you know, if if a, say that we get to a point where there's a, a real meta, you can look at their current comp and try and figure out what build they're going for and then react appropriately. Um, but I do think you have somewhat of a point in that, like, the individual matchups are randomized, so it's harder to kind of play your field against them like i i i haven't gotten far enough to well, understand so the it. thing is if you play rank though that would somewhat mitigate it right what do you mean if you played the ranked ladder does tft have a ranked ladder it does yeah it just got one yeah so then if you can parse out the skill to some degree then you will be playing against people of commiserate skill so that or comparable skill so that um you know like you guys were saying there's like a skill gap then you will have the cream rise to the top, right? That's how it works in Underlords, at least. Right, right, right. And even but in the original auto chess, you, you had rank from pawn to queen, I think. My, my point is that the, uh, like the highest level of kind of skill and strategy, which is a Hearthstone Pro's ability to read the enemy, like to, to understand the secret information that like the enemy team has, there isn't a comparable there isn't a comparable skill for that because everything is kind of like, so for instance, imagine if your champion stash was hidden or something kind of along those lines. And you had to kind of guess what people were hiding in their stash. Well, there's a, there's a thing in, I don't remember if it was in auto chest underloads. There is a race uh, bonus where you hide your bench. Oh, really? That's interesting. Cause that's exactly kind of what I'm talking about, right? Like the, the ability to kind of like have some secret information and be playing your opponent more than you are playing the, uh, like playing the RNG engine inside of the, inside of the machine. Like when it comes to TFT, I feel like a lot of it is you are playing the RNG engine in the inside of the machine. There is, you are doing stuff like reading your opponents and you are looking for stuff and you're looking for openings. Oh, nobody's going glacial. Nobody's going ranger. That's going to be my cop, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff is definitely kind of like there. Um, but the, you know, like at the end of the day, the randomness is built into your your ability to kind of like re-roll into the stuff that you want um rather than you know move like making strategic moves against another person sort of like specifically it's also hard to like like it it seems to me just from what i've watched from what i've what i've played is that like the the pro strat is to build like put your 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 all your players in a corner and have them like like uh play out from there um yeah rather than do like and uh, you know i think with balance you can get some diversity in that but the, because you're always randomly um running into people right like you're, you're not 
Um, you, you know, you can't choose your opponent. Or it's not predictable in any way. You can't, you can't like set yourself up to best fight against that person. I think that kind yeah. of hurts the uh, hurts the the kind of skill aspects. But you have to always go for a generalized build that will um, that will take on the majority of your opponents. You know, modulo a couple different things, right? Like, yeah, like imagine imagine if you know at the top of the screen you have thirty seconds to like prepare for a round, and then the round fighting happens or whatever, and um, and it'll show you like an opponent name, but it'll be all question marks, and then those question marks will become the the name when the 30 seconds are over imagine if for those 30 seconds you could go look at the opponent's composition and like make your decisions or something kind of along those lines i think that would turn the game into something more of an apm kind of twitchy game but it would be more akin to kind of like what i'm describing right i'm not you know so like one of the things that people say in Hearthstone about singleton decks, like Highlander decks, where it's one of each, is that you don't play around anything. It's so random that you don't play around anything. You can never say, my opponent will have Brawl, my opponent will have Flame Strike, I shouldn't commit to the board, because they could have fucking anything in their hand. So you just you're just playing solitaire, right? Because you can't play around your opponent's deck, basically. Um the same sort of thing is true for team te- team fight tactics, right? Because I don't know who I'm going up against, because I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I can position until the very, very last rounds if I'm one of two people left. I can't position against kind of like a specific opponent. You don't play around anything. You just kind of position in what is the most generally optimized kind of strategic build for yourself, where, you know, you have your carries in the back, your front line in the front, and you tuck them all into a corner so that assassins can't jump behind them sort of thing, right? um that's kind of how that's kind of how tft works and i do think that that is not so great um kind of on a strategic level in having players express skill over one another yeah i mean even in the original auto chest there were basically like you were saying one strategy is just to put all your units in a corner another strategy was to put them all in a line Another strategy was to, like, stagger them, sort of. But, like, it really almost depends on your team comp. For example, if you're running assassins and, and tanky guys, you don't really need to stick them in the corner. You can just have the, the assassin, or you can have the tanks in the front, and then the assassins... Because in auto chess and in Underlords, the first thing the any assassin will do is it will teleport to, like, the back line, right? Same thing yeah, that's exactly... Okay, right, so they got yep. the same mechanic there. So basically, if you were running assassins and tanks, or assassins and knights, or something something beefy and something that can and, and plus the assassin, you can sort of do any build you want because or any um board order you want because it doesn't really matter. It's only when you have squishies like like uh, rangers or mages uh, that you would have to put them in the corner. But then that even if you corner camp, that gets countered by the opponent having like AOE because like AOE is a huge um component of auto chess and underlords where you have like really high uh priority i guess uh characters like um uh the admiral guy who he 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 swings his sword summons a ghost ship and it stuns everybody in like a giant area and then you have another one called disruptor who silences everyone in that area so it's like if you put them in the corner they just get screwed by aoe ability so you do have to have some degree of like not just falling back on one sort of board pattern sure. the entire time but you can't but you know let, let's say let's say that you've got uh you, you know you're you've got one person who's going an aoe comp one person who's not right you, you have like to, assassins yeah like you, you have to kind of 
either make do a you know either decide which one is more important to guard against, or you have to you have to kind of guess what you're going up against. You, you, the point is you can't actively position your players to counter a particular other player because you don't know who they're going to be. Not to mention, right, and, and, you know, and that's a really charitable way to put it, right? Because for the majority of your time in Teamfight Tactics, you're not up against two people, you're up against eight, right? Seven. So, you know, even if you could... In, in theory, like, say, okay, well, I just have to choose between the uh, the assassins, countering assassins, or countering mages, right? Well, it's actually not that clear, because you also have to counter this dude's elementalists, this dude's dragons, this dude's shapeshifters, this dude's demons, right? Like, it's impossible. There are so many different options, and you're randoming into one of them, right? You can't play around anything. That's kind of, that's kind of the, the weakness, um there and i do feel like i feel like the simple switch is to just telegraph who it is that you're going to fight in a given round and give you you know that 30 seconds is an opportunity to reposition against that person um but even then right like i I don't know that counter that might make exactly that might make it too easy to counter and so um you know i there's not always uh there's not always a great answer. The other thing is, like, items are incredibly random around Teamfight Tactics. Um, it used to be much worse. Now they have kind of standardized things a bit where after every PvE phase when you fight creeps, um, you get an item box, and it either has items or gold. Um, uh, items are much more valuable. But, like, you know, what Mago and I played in a game where a guy just got, like, six items off the bat and knocked out, like, five people because he just got so <laughs> many items. And that kind of RNG is just another layer of RNG to sort of, like, screw you up, you know? Okay, so in on, in the original auto chest, it was RNG like you're describing, but in Underlords, what they do is they tier the items. And then based on, the, based on which creep wave you killed, you get, uh, like, the first couple waves, you obviously get tier one, tier two, so on. But then you can also get perks in addition to items, and perks are like stuff like uh, next time you, uh, for each subsequent item round, you will get like items that are one tier higher, or a perk like uh, you get an additional bonus if you have this uh, already existing race bonus or something. Like it'll make humans also count as like um, whatever the undead equivalent is. I forgot what the undead equivalent is. Like something like I can't remember, but it it doesn't really matter. Basically, it just gives it would give like the humans an additional set of buffs, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that helps mitigate it somewhat. But again, there's obviously going to be OP characters and OP uh, items. But I mean, you can sort of. I feel like Underlord so- sort of mitigates it by letting you sort of pick things that will counteract them. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I also. But, it, but even the ability to do so is RNG. I I think that you can potentially balance stuff like that out of the game, or balance the worst cases out, right? Like. I think that one experience that we had, buddy, where the one guy got six items is a thing that you can pretty reasonably fix. Um, and then, then you just have kind of these marginal problems, which are, which are big problems, but they're not like as devastating as, as uh, you know, one person manages to get lucky and gets like four item drops off the first one and they combine. Wait, well, you get four items from one creep wave? No, so it's not, it's not. So I think what it is, is there's a chance that each creep drops an item and... I think maybe you're guaranteed one because I've definitely had rounds where I've gotten more items out of others, and others where like I get okay, like so one gold. That's how it instead. worked in the original auto chest. You could get more than one item off a of creep wave, but in Underlord they standardized it, so you get to pick. I think it's one out of three, and then um, if you don't 
beat the creep wave, you only get to pick one. So, so like <laughs> it'll it'll cross out the other two because you're so bad, basically. Yeah, no, but like I like <laughs> a change like that is a thing that would go a long way to kind of you know sanding off the roughest edges of the RNG. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So that, do you like, think that they're going? Do you think that they're going to do that in TFT? I have no yeah. idea. I'm okay. not. I'm not nearly involved enough in this. To, you know, I can just kind of like. You know, point my finger and be like, ha, no, Riot's a pile of trash. Um, and, you know, and meme about it. But that, that's like the best, I, I, best read I've got. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like it kind of has to if it wants to stay, uh, if it wants to stay relevant, I would think. I think they need a mobile version for TFT. I mean, that's, that's its own thing, right? Like, uh. That's probably I, yeah, I, I, the other thing about TFT that I'm interested in is how can you add new content to it without like breaking the game? One of the things about uh, like one of the things about League of Legends is that you can constantly add champions without too much fear of like undermining very core systems because at the end of the day, only ten champions will be in a match of Summoner's Rift. If that makes sense, but like adding a new champion to teamfight tactics, like let's let's imagine. Every three weeks for the next, you know, year or something like that, they add in a new champion to TFT. Well, the TFT at the beginning of the year and the TFT at the end of that year are going to be wildly different games because adding 13 new champions at different gold prices or whatever to the pool is just going to completely throw out the already, you know, crazy probability curve, right? What I would rather them do is almost treat it like a set like you would in MTG or in Hearthstone where they add like maybe 10 every few months or something like in two oh, months yeah, you add 10 yeah. and, every, and then two months later you add 10 more or something oh like you might lo- you might like rotate out all of the gracial champions or something like that and then rotate you could even in. do it that way too yeah yeah you know like something else kind of thing that would make a lot of sense what we have seen so far is they added twisted fate you know like they added one off character who was a, like a unique type he was a pirate sorcerer right um and uh and i and i just kind of looked at that and i was like how is this going to be sustainable for you guys right like are you just gonna add one-off champions and i think that's what auto chess like... does it's been they like uh before they spun off and did their own thing and before underlords came out they definitely they added like tiny which is like a elemental tank and it didn't seem to really do much except make maybe elemental comps more viable but i don't know like it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal unless they come out op basically yeah. But that's like the same problem with MOBAs in general. You add a new character, it's too OP, everyone cries or buys the champion, and then they... But here's so, the, but so here's... I, I think the thing you're missing, buddy, is that the probability pool for an individual game I don't think actually gets thrown off, because I, I don't think the model is you throw in every champion into the pool and then you roll against that, right? I think it's like, you know, the game decides at the beginning, you have X number of champions in the pool, and you roll against that, so... You know, the chance of you getting a particular champion pool will be modified, but inside of an individual game, it's not going to throw off the probabilities of finding the champion you want. So, so that is not uh, that's not the way that there are a certain number of champions per gold level per game. Right. right? So, for instance, there are thirty nine level one champions in the game. There are, I can't actually, I don't remember the other numbers. Like, I think there's 10 level 4 champions and 9 level 5. So, like, hypothetically, if you got every Yasuo in the game, you could get a rank 3 Yasuo, but it's, like, practically impossible kind of thing. Um, but just, like, imagine, you know, imagine adding 
one extra champion at each of those ranks, two extra champions at each of those ranks, but that, that increases that probability pool by right. But that's what I'm saying is that that doesn't happen, right? Like you might add in, you know, like like let's pick a random. Let's say you add in Nautilus, right? When Nautilus gets picked to be put in the game, right? Like Nautilus is replaced, and he let's say he's level one. Like Nautilus is replaced Warwick's. Right, and so you will never see a Warwick in that game. You will only see Nautiluses. And oh, I st- uh, so so you are arguing for the way in which this changes. Yeah. Okay. The, the way it is currently is not that way. Okay. They like they didn't take out a character to put in Twisted Fate. They just put in Twisted Fate. Well, it it, it wouldn't be that like you remove, you know, like you wouldn't remove, say, in my example, Warwicks from the game, like from from just the from game the match. The, yeah, just from the match, right? Like. When you roll your thirty nine, your thirty nine champions. Oh, I see. So when you load into the match, there's just a chance that there are no Warwicks in that match. Yeah, right. So you know, like the equipment would be like you pick like four or five level one champions, and they make up the entirety of the of the level one pool, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Isn't that just adding in more RNG to try and like f- make less RNG? So, it's, yeah. so it, make, it makes you know, you know what I mean. It makes each match more random, but it keeps what's happening inside of that match less random, right? Like, yeah. because so I do think the proportionality of of, of the the genre is really important, right? You need a certain number of tier one champions, a certain number of tier two champions, so that people can like progress at a good rate. Like otherwise, I like I could definitely see a version of thing. Imagine they add like three tier one champions to the pool, just like they added Twisted Fate. Well, all of a sudden, tier one champions are going to just be like so much more common that you are right. not going to see the tier five, you know, tier. Well, so the way that Underlords mitigates this is there's a percent chance of you getting tier one versus tier two depending on the level. Is that not how it works in TFT? Oh, you know, that is actually true. It, that is it, mu- it, it must have to be that way, given, given the way that... So then it would be harder to get rank threes of the tier one champions, right? Because it would be harder for you to roll a tier one champion. You know, like, if you want to get the eighth tryst and the ninth tryst to get your three-star tryst, you, you, it is harder and harder to roll that as right, you level up. In, unless you do what I'm saying, right? Like, you, you pull... Right, like, right, right. And so, like, like yes, you said, like you said, yes, that will make what's happening in like match to match. Those matches will be will have more difference between them, but inside of the match, right? Like it will, you'll still have approximately the same rate of pulling, you know, being able to get yourself a level three champion, if that makes sense. I think uh-huh. that's more important, right? Like, yeah, there's some information transparency issues there. Like, maybe at some point, the answer to that is. When you're loading into the game, it tells you which champions are in the pool, and you can figure out your strategy from there. I think that would probably go a long way in, in mitigating some of these problems, too. Um, well, they could let... Eh, I don't know. I was thinking maybe they could implement a ban system, but I don't know exactly if that would be the... Yeah. So, like, instead of the RNG deciding which champs get pulled out, like, the players decide which champs get pulled out? Yeah. But I don't know if that would... Yeah, I mean, and I also think that in a situation like that, you might own like this is something that Heroes of the Storm does, where they uh, they they crib the maps over time because there are just like so many Heroes of the Storm maps. So they have seasons, uh, you know, like there might be like like a ranked season or whatever, and they will list out. They say like these are the only you know the maps that you can play on are these maps. You won't see maps X, Y, and Z. You'll only see maps A, B, and C. And so maybe they do something kind of along those sorts of lines um, where they make a big announcement ahead of time so you kind of know what you're getting into. I feel like it would really kind of suck if, you know, imagine, okay, so imagine um, that happens and 
tier at tier th- four, Sejuani is you know Sejuani is removed and Nautilus. Let's say near Nautilus is a tier four champion. Sejuani is removed and Nautilus is put in. Right. Well, if I'm in tier one, two, and three, building up a glacial comp, I'm getting Volibear, I'm getting Lissandra, I'm getting Ash, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna hit my tier four when I level up, and I'm gonna start getting Sejuani's to complete this glacial comp, and then there's no fucking glacials. Like that would be the worst feeling of all fucking time. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like, you know, like, how do I how do I play around the capstone hero that I'm looking for my comp just not existing? Yeah. yeah. I, and I, it might just be easier to leave everything in. Yeah, but I, I, I think that causes RNG pool problems. Um, I think I think the problems with, like, a banning system, too, are, like, you, you really screw with, like, singleton-type champions, right? Like... You know, like, uh, oh, like, like Blitzcrank and Yasuo? Robots, Exiles, and Ninjas, right? Because um, Ninjas work on, you need either, I don't know how it works in the other games, but Ninjas get a bonus at one or a bonus at four. Um, and so, like, if you pull one out of the pool, then you, and you have three Ninjas, right? Like, then everybody has to go singleton with it. Or you can just, like, ban Blitzcrank, ban Yasuo. Um, and, you know, you don't have to deal with, with, with Well, you add bullshit. more Ninjas. Sure, right? Like, but, the, the, like... I feel like anything that has very specific numbers... Yeah, I think this even works for the other ones, too, right? Like, anything that has very specific numbers around it, you have to kind of be careful about screwing with the balance too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, even even with something that has a lot of... Uh, that has a lot... Like, there are three knights in level one, right? There's Mordekaiser, Darius, and... Um, Garen. 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 Uh, yeah, Mordekaiser, Darius, Garen. And then you can, you know, as you level up and as you rank up, Poppy is a knight, Sejuani is a knight, and Kale is a knight, right? And so the six-knight combo is, like, really strong compared to the four-knight combo because, you know, laying out all of those individual champions is tough. <laughs> Excuse me. But if, um, you know, if you pull out one of those knights all of a sudden it's so much harder to complete your knights combo you know like how does that work cuz i do think that a lot of these like synergy bonuses are balanced around the very specific number of champions that there are to use them with right like there are th- like for sort to activate sorcerers you need 3 right and there's a bunch of different sorcerers i think there's 7 total in the game if you add an eighth sorcerer at a low mana cost all of a sudden it's a lot easier to start getting a sorcerer comp rolling compared to you know if you pull i don't know like if you pull knights or something kind of along those lines yeah i mean maybe that's why if you added like 10 at the same time you could sort of balance around it instead of just doing it incrementally one at a time cuz if you did 10 at a time you would you would have like that you would like reset the meta for that like two or three month period before you drop the next set of ten, for example. And then like you could sort of work around the races and the traits, um, such that you feel that it's balanced, and then you can just like patch it when you feel like the meta got like OP or something. Like if you feel like knights are too uh underpowered, you just in the next set you would just add more knights, basically, right? Yeah, no, I, I... I definitely think it'll be an interesting genre to watch because of these weird problems that are very, very math ticky tack based. Um, I'm actually kind of I'm, I'm interested because I want to see how they deal with it, but part of me believes that they're just not, and we're going to, and they're going to have to react to screwing up their own math without without realizing. But that's just more my lack of faith in uh, in Riot than anything else. <laughs> hey, they won the mobile war. Maybe they'll win the auto chess war. 
maybe. I, I kind of doubt it, though, given given what you pointed out, that they don't have a mobile client. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like eventually they'll get one. Like, there's basically mobile League of Legends. It's just not called League of Legends. It's called, like, some weird thing that Tencent made. Do you guys remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Vainglory, I think it's called. Oh, no, Vainglory's the... Uh, I don't know if it's Korean, but it's, like, a Korean eSport that's mobile. But there's one that's, like, literally... It used to be a skin-for-skin skin copy of, like... League of Legends, oh but then God. they like they they tweak the artwork later so that, but it, because it was made by Tencent, I don't think Riot could do anything. <laughs> well, so so I also don't have a high uh, a high, I guess, opinion of Riot, but I actually think that that is something that is endemic to the way that Riot approaches its game design. Um, like one of the so one of the things that's actually kind of attractive about Teamfight Tactics is that Riot patches League of Legends a lot, right? Whereas you know, Blizzard does patches in big, giant, huge chunks every once in a while, right? That will that will really upend things. So once every you know three months, you'll get a WoW patch that changes things, or once every you know two months, you'll get a Hots patch that changes something, sort of thing. Um, Riot patches every two weeks, kind of like clockwork. And so if you are a player who is you know who looks at games like Hearthstone and says, oh, well, the meta got boring, right? Why can't Blizzard ever f- patch this? They never patch quick enough sort of thing. Riot is a, is a company that does patch pretty quickly. And if something does, you know, kind of rise to the top of a meta game, they are going to patch it, you know, they're going to patch it down. Um, but the thing is, is that those quick patch cycles, I think are going to end up betraying a kind of cavalier attitude. I guess I would, I would, postulate towards um the 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 underlying math and probability of these things and i wouldn't be surprised if like you know sooner or later someone right like like a a high profile player like disguised toast or something like that you know puts out a, a mathy reddit post that talks about like well, Riot added four champions to the game and it completely fucked with all of these probabilities and that's why TFT sucks now do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, I, I I think I agree with that. I don't know if I've got any anything deeper to say on that. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just comparing the kind of like, uh, the, like the. This is another faith in know, company, faith in riot company <laughs> culture thing, right? Like, yeah. it's not really about faith in riot or lack of faith in riot. It's just kind of a if you read the if you read how riot designs and patches its games. Right, like this is kind of this is kind of what you end up with, which is a little bit unfortunate, obviously. Um, but you know, hey, because especially like you know, in League of Legends, there are a lot of times where patches come out and they like go back a couple. You know, like a patch comes out, it breaks someone, and they have to hotfix it or like you know repatch it. You know, after the fact, and that just really that that is emblematic of the kind of cavalier attitude towards. This Isn't the stuff. PVE supposed to catch that, or just the PVE not a thing anymore? <laughs> The PBE is definitely a thing. Uh, I, I guess I just don't know if they... They PBE Teamfight Tactics? Quick, <laughs> they, they did, yeah. And it was a closed PBE because only certain... Uh, like only certain like streamers and shit got access to it, I think, or it was like closed beta for a while, um, before before kind of like releasing it to the public. But they released pretty quickly, to be honest. Um, so, you know. 
So I'm guessing if TFT doesn't get a mobile, then Tencent will just make a clone. Like, um, I, I looked it up. It's called Arena of Valor. It, basically, what Riot said was, we don't think we can replicate the League of Legends experience on a mobile. So Tencent was like, okay, screw you. I'll, we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> and then wow. they did. And yeah. it made $140 million outside of the United or outside of China. It's like a game that was made for markets outside of mainland China. So like Southeast Asia and stuff. And then the one I was thinking of that ripped off League of Legends is called Mobile Legends. And what they did was they got sued and they had to pay two point nine million to Tencent. <laughs> <laughs> How much did they make though? That's that's the real question. I have no idea. Yeah. Had to pay two point nine billion of the four no, million, million they billion, made. Not billion. Okay. Yeah. It was not very much, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, I guess two point nine million is a lot of money, but in terms of like IP suits, I've not. Yeah, I mean, it's also China historically. Like, uh, this is a weird thing because like. Well, China's the thing is, good. Mobile Legends was made in. Um, what was it made? It was made... Oh, it, it was a Chinese thing. Yeah, Ch- China's good about protecting Chinese IP about, you know, again, even against itself, right? But, like, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's kind of part of the reason why a lot of companies get, like, a Chinese distributor, so that, like, they have somebody on the inside to keep, to keep you know, somebody from just straight up ripping them off. Uh-huh. Um, but that's, that's, that's its own. That's but when you look at the side-by-side of Arena Valor and Mobile Legends, they're, like, the same. Hey, isn't this like uh, wasn't that like a thing that happened with uh, Diablo Immortal, <laughs> right? Like you look t- look at it side by side with some Chinese. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they literally just reskinned it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or that, that was the accusation. I don't know how true God, it is. Did Diablo Immortal come out yet? <sighs> When's it coming out? Like, I don't know. R- is rumor is is that we're finally going to see Diablo Four at this BlizzCon. Um, which yeah. would be nice. Apparently, people at Blizzard, like uh, this is this is a Jason Schreier thing. I think people inside of Blizzard have seen Diablo Four. Um, yeah, well, nice. they were. Go- this is part of his reporting from the last BlizzCon. They were going to announce Diablo Four, and they pulled it at the last second. So, um, so this is like this is like reported in June that like you know they were going to announce it, but it wasn't necessarily like but like people internal to Blizzard who are not working on Diablo Four have seen Diablo Four. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that it's like, for like, I don't know if you guys remember, but Diablo three was announced when we were in like high school. I want to say like our junior or senior year. Since we're all about the same age. Man, are you wait really? That's... Didn't it come out like when we were sophomores in college? Though it came out. It came out when we were like juniors in college. Juniors, I say. okay. Yeah, it was like a three or four years between. Wasn't it really bad when it came out? <laughs> yes, there's that too. Um, but it, there was there was a long a long time between when it was announced, and when it came out. Um, and I'm pretty sure they want to reduce that. for Like, I think they, they don't want to do that again. Um, so, but we're like, it was unsure, but the, if someone, if, you know, if people internally are being exposed to it, that would suggest that it is closer to, to being done than, you know, than just kind of like a, a raw announcement, right? Like, I would, I would expect to, to hear at least date within a year of BlizzCon, maybe a little bit more, um, if people in- internally are looking at it. I might just have a bad read on how Blizzard internal tests go, but um, that's that's what I've heard from, like, other places in the mm-hmm. um, That's very tangential to, to to what we're talking about. Yeah, so so like, I, let's wrap up with some, some final thoughts. What What is your, like, big prediction? We've been talking a lot about, like, where we think... TFT and the auto chess genre is going. Um, 
what is uh like what do you where where do you see things heading in the next kind of like six months x you want to lead us off i mean i think increasingly it will become more popular on mobile um and probably less popular on pc and i don't know that it's sustainable because like um they're all free to play i think i think um i don't even know if the original auto chess is is uh is paid or not but i think at least underlords and tft are free to play so there's always going to be that appeal yeah but i mean you can play for free sure like there's no there's no barrier to entry in that so i think they'll always have like a following but it as it is a casual game i feel like we're in the it's kind of like apex where it just like apex legends where it just skyrocketed and then it sort of like crashed i don't think the crash will be as bad as apex legends but there will definitely be obviously some sort of post uh, honeymoon crash and then it'll sort of i feel like it'll be relegated as like a casual game and i don't know if it'll be i feel like it won't have like esports appeal or like twitch appeal maybe uh, uh to the extent that it did um, yeah i mean there the, the, a big question has been whether or not there will be an lcs for tft oh god are you serious that's a real thing right like that people are are looking at it and thinking about it and kind of along along those those terms i actually don't think that that would be a terrible idea if i if we're kind of wrong about some of like the rng sorts of aspects and like the better player does win i mean it does suggest that like okay dog who is a a very capable you know dog who is the best na player in hearthstone goes on to be the best tft player and win the very first tournament says good things right um you know he's playing against guys like this guy's toast and scara who are you know streamers they're not like tournament player professionals um i i could see it being a thing where it's like you have tft matches between like personality like maybe the casters and maybe some like semi-pros in between like the, the the LCS matches is kind of like a filler piece of thing. I could oh, see it as like an all star event. Yeah, you know? yeah, that like too. League of Legends All Stars, yeah. Um, but yeah, the I, thing I is, I feel like it attracts such different players. I feel like Bjergsen and Dog are just like very different esports players. In the same way that, like, you know, I don't know who's a who's a league streamer, Night Blue, like Night Blue and Disguised Toast. Disguised Toast is like the number one TFT streamer now. Um. But yeah, this is a guy that comes from Hearthstone. It's not a guy who comes from League. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I feel like maybe one of the biggest weaknesses is you can't play TFT while you're in queue for League of Legends. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, if they made a standalone client, that might be good. Yeah, because especially with those higher, higher queue times, you know, you'll always see people who are doing queues in, um, in, uh, in other games while they're, like, doing their challenger queues or whatever because the queue times are so, you know, like, ungodly long. Yeah, that's actually what happens is you get cross... You, you get cross-pollination, right? Like, all the Dota pro- pros play TFT while they wait for their queues. And all the <laughs> pros and play, all the play Underlords. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, something that I'm actually looking at that's pretty interesting um, is the amount of views some of these TFT videos are getting on YouTube. Uh, one of the big things that I think... You know, like, this is the thing that really got me back into playing Hearthstone, right? Was uh, the the stream clip edits, right? Where it'll show you kind of like a game of Hearthstone, like a funny game of Hearthstone from one of your favorite, like, Hearthstone content, you know, creators or whatever. But, like, the 
the even on Disguised Toast channel, who is the most popular TFT streamer, his Hearthstone streamers from his Hearthstone streams from the last expansion are getting about the same, if not better, views than his TFT videos are. And then Trump, who is also a big Hearthstone streamer, his Hearthstone videos get about two hundred thousand views, you know, like one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand, and his TFT videos get like forty thousand. So I wonder if, like, we're almost already seeing – that's, like, very, very light information to base this on. But I almost sort of, like, wonder if the bubble is starting to burst and the novelty is fading that quickly. I mean, it's possible. It's also, like, kind of like the Overwatch thing where it's more fun to play than it is to watch. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I cannot imagine watching a TFT stream. Like, it's 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 it doesn't seem like that would be super compelling. Like even, even Yeah, I mean, that, a lot like, of it, a lot of it really is about, you know – uh, a lot of it is just kind of like about personality, if that. It's makes about sense. the streamer more than the game, almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this guy's toast is like a funny guy, and it's and he memes around, and he's quoting, you know, SpongeBob or whatever, right? And uh, and and it's honestly, and it's even harder. Like one of the reasons that Trump is a fun streamer to watch is because he talks through his sort of strategic process, right? Like, oh, should I play this card? Like, what are the lines of play that I want to kind of like go down? But it's, it's a lot harder to do that in TFT. Because, you know, the because you were playing against the re-roll button, essentially, <laughs> um, you don't have the same ability to kind of do something like, I bet he has a brawl in hand, so I'm going to bait his brawl by playing this thing that generates 1-1s and keep my big power card, you know, so that I can play Dr. Boom the turn after, or whatever the case may be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of my point, right? Like, I... Like, I cannot imagine watching a TFT stream for the TFT. Like, you know, maybe I'd watch this guy's toast for the memory, but, you know, I could also watch, you know, like, a stand-up special on Netflix for, for, for HaHa's, right? Whereas, like, when I watch, say, uh, like, Hearthstone or, or MTGA games, it's, it's for the actual content, right? It's to see what's happening there. And I can't imagine that being compelling for TFT, right? Like, you, you could put... This guy's toast memeing while, like, I don't know, playing tic-tac-toe and it'd probably have the same effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably true. The, the, the point being that, like, the, the there's no compelling reason for it to be a TFT stream other than kind of, like, it's the hot thing in the moment. And if that passes, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're getting sick strats from, from, your, uh, from your streamer. Yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, I guess that's TFT um, and auto chess games in uh, in general. Uh, so, what uh, what's 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 the word on the street? How how are your, how are your weeks? Yeah, how, how was your week, X? Or you know, you can go further back since you're not always on the show. How how has how has how has your gaming been since Game of Thrones? Oh. The last time you were on the show. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. Game of Thrones. Wow. I mean, I got Underlords because Monik wanted to play. I was actually kind of over the whole auto chess thing. Like, it was a fun thing to do, but then you guys told me about uh, MTG Arena, so I sort of got hooked on MTG Arena, and then the freaking M20 set dropped, and it's, like, so frustrating for me right now because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the meta is. What, I'm, like, what is trying the, to... Ignore is the, the meta. The That's the important set? thing. M20 is the new corset, yeah. Okay. But, but the old stuff, I am... I, I am the old stuff doesn't waiting. phase out till like, August or something, or October? September, I, I think. September? September is when Archer, which is the code name, I don't know if they've given it a real name yet, comes out. Um, I'm excited for all of those old cards to phase out. Not because I don't like them, but because I don't want to get them. 
Because I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna build like, oh man, like there's a bunch of dual lands which made it, which made um the previous set, like the core set of 2019, so fun is because you have a bunch of dual lands that you don't have to do anything except have one of the base lands of that type. So like, if it's like the uh the red the red black one, you have to have a swamp or a mountain, and it comes into play without tapping, and so that just allowed a wow. lot of more splashing and stuff. I think. And I feel that's like getting really rid of powerful. that is going to be really annoying. Jesus Christ, that's insanely powerful. That used yeah. to be like, Jesus Christ, man. Especially because, like, I remember, do you remember the Shocklands where yeah. you could Shocklands were in the last, we're in 2019 as well. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I remember how incredible the Shocklands were as lands that didn't come into play, you know, like, tapped in the fact that you could, like, take those two damage. It was, like, a huge, huge deal Yeah, at the th time. those will still be available for the M20 set because those don't rotate out. But or then, like, the new dual lands that came out are just, like, they come into play tapped, and they either give you, you gain one life or you can scry, which is just look at the top card. And it's, like, just so underwhelming. No, that's Survey, never mind. I screwed up Surveyor. Right, well, Scry is you look at it and you can either keep it there or you can put it at the bottom of your deck. And right. then Surveil is you can look at it or put it in your grave. Right? I think. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. That, that is that is okay. But like, I was building toward this like mono white angel deck, and then all these angels that I would want are phasing out. So it's like, why even bother? Yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um. But you know what? What in elementals? That fucking reef elemental. I hate. Um, it's two, Which one it's, is that? It's the the ramping one. It's it's a green blue. It's like a coral, or it's like reef elemental or coral reef elemental, something like that. Um, whenever you play in an elemental, whenever you play, whenever it comes into play or another elemental comes into play, you um, look at the top card of your library, and if it's a land, you you may play it tapped, and if you don't play it, it goes into your hand. Um, and it doesn't have to be a land to go into your hand. So it's it's just like incredibly strong. Um, I played and, against this dumb flash deck, which oh my god, it's like every creature this dude had had flash, and then one of them was like, if you play a spell on the opponent's turn, it gets plus one plus one, and I'm just like, so tr I was so triggered by it because it was I think it wasn't even in ranked, it was in um the draft. I was like, how did you get so many flash cards in the freaking draft? And then like he just kept wrecking me because I kept attacking him, and he flash play a four four, and I'm just like, god damn it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I ran into one of those too. There was like a, a, a flash, uh, a flash deck, or rather, it was like a blue control deck that had a bunch of counter spells and a bunch of counter spells on flash creatures. I just couldn't yeah. do anything. I'm like, well, that's how this goes, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. And then, like, oh god, and the most annoying mechanic of the four—it's like the four-four wolf. It's like if you don't play a spell this turn, you create a three-three wolf token, and and the wolf or a two-two wolf token. But the four four wolf gives plus one plus one to other wolves, and it's just like, ugh, really? Oops. Just a free three three if you don't like mid to end game when you have like no cards in your hand anyway. It's just like, why? Wolf deck. I've been playing the wolf deck. I don't have any of those yet because I don't have enough wild cards. But uh, wolves have been fun. Yeah, I'm uh, saving up my wild cards. I've got like thirteen common, twelve uncommon, four rare, and like two mythics or something. I'm just waiting for like a card that will actually be useful to me. I think. I don't know. I feel like Mono White will be strong, which is one of the decks I've been leaning on in the previous uh, previous meta. And then, but I feel like Red is going to be so nerfed. I'm so sad. Unless you do Red at Elemental, maybe. But I don't. Play I basically stopped playing Warframe because now I'm playing League. Oof. So much League. Yeah, I mean, we've been back. We've definitely been back on the League train, uh, which I do appreciate because I'm having a lot of fun playing League of Legends. Um, 
But on the subject of magic, I actually played some Magic the Gathering in person with paper, okay, and cardboard. Oh, that's what you meant when you said you were going to be playing MTG. I assumed you were going to be playing MTG Arena, which is why no, you were no, playing No, no, I literally, I drove, <laughs> I got in my car, and I drove to my friend's house, and we played, uh, and we played, like, actual Magic the Gathering. They did a draft not too long ago, um, because, like, you know, a lot of us have played over the years, and, um... And so they did a draft and made their 40-card decks, but nobody wants to put more money into the game. So they've just been playing with their draft decks. And so my friend Max invited me um, invited me up there, and I brought out a deck. Do you guys remember the Kamigawa block? Yes. There was, a, there, was a, yeah, there was a mechanic called Ninjutsu, and I had a, a, a mono-blue Ninjutsu deck. And, uh, and I didn't even have enough islands to complete it, so I put in a couple of swamps just so I had enough lands. I made a 40-card deck. I didn't have any rares because I don't know what happened to my rares. Um, and, uh, and I ended up winning the game with a card from, uh, I think, the Convergence set called Cumberstone, which says each, opponent, each opponent's creatures get minus one, minus zero. <laughs> And I put four cumberstones on the board, and they just like nobody could kill me because they couldn't. They did. They had no attack. Um, but it was like it was kind of it was insanely fun and insanely dumb. But the thing I wanted to talk about was we were playing multiplayer magic, and multiplayer magic has always been my most fun, my favorite way to play. Like I, you know, like I get heads up, and I think heads up can be fun and everything. Like I played in PTQs and stuff like that. Um, but. Uh, uh, I really love, like, the kind of politics and the dynamics to multiplayer magic. So the question that I wanted to ask you guys as MTG Arena players, do you think it would be possible for them to create a multiplayer mode? And if so, like, would you play it? Would you be interested in something like that? That's actually the most, like, when I played paper magic, that was the most fun I had would be multiplayer. Where you could even do, like, teams or something, or you could do mm-hmm. free-for-all. But, like, I, I just don't know. I feel like they're not interested in doing that. Yeah, I, feel I really like love to doing it yeah. with uh with edh with commander decks it, multiplayer is incredibly fun yeah yeah i just feel like arena is more geared toward like competitive almost mm-hmm. so, so I, they're like I, much I th- more i think i think the the bigger problem is going to be a technical um hurdle right because that like breaks the the fundamental kind of layout like readability what... of the game board not even readability just like kind of like you know how the game's designed right like if you were to put a third person at the table, right, like you'd have to like invent a new space for them to be on, right? You'd have to fundamentally right. change how, how it works. They've they've added in like some kind of new modes of play, usually as one offs, but by like putting in emblems and stuff. But that doesn't fundamentally change like how the game works. Um, mm-hmm. Adding in a third player would just be a little bit like I think there might be enough of like it wouldn't surprise me if there was enough of desire there that they do it eventually. But I don't I can't believe it's going to come anytime soon. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, it's definitely a very fresh game. So, yeah. the thing that surprised me is that they made Arena, given that they already have like that other online MTGO, one. MTGO, yeah. yeah, MTGO yeah. sucks though. Okay, is, is, is what <laughs> I've always heard about it. Is so, uh, and, and, and the funny thing is, MTGO does have multiplayer capabilities. Um, so I, I I think the big thing is that like like one, it doesn't have as as broad appeal, and two, um, MTG has the MTGA has the advantage of not having an economy. Um, it's like Hearthstone in that, like, you can't trade cards, which is good in some ways and bad in others, like, good in that, like, you know, getting a very good rare is is as expensive as getting a very bad rare in terms of, uh, wildcard economy, um, uh, 
but like it's bad in that like you know it doesn't matter you, you can't trade out your digital goods in any way shape or form other than i guess selling mm-hmm. your entire account um but uh but I, I i do appreciate like i can play decks in mtga that i would never be able to play on paper or i mean i guess i could but i i would, ne- would never play it on would paper cost so much money to yeah. do so i think yeah i yeah, would, I would never sure. shell out like 300 dollars to play a paper deck but you know you know, $50 in packs that I can build pretty much any one deck that I want. So, um, then have stuff left over. Yeah, but, man, can't believe, like, League of Legends has consumed my life. No more Warframe, no more Stellaris. I only play MTG every couple days to complete the three quests. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, that's a little bit of, like, what I do with Hearthstone. The new Hearthstone event, which is cool, is, uh... So, so the lore, there's lore behind, uh, behind this. The lore is, in Rise of Shadows, which is the most recent expansion, a bunch of villains in, like, Hearthstone history, like Dr. Boom and Rafam from League of Explorers, team up, and they steal Dalaran, the floating city. Um, and, uh, and so the current Tavern Brawl is a three-week event where, as they are flying Dalaran to Old Doom, they crash into Black Rock Mountain, which makes no sense, by the way, like <laughs> geographically. They crash into Black Rock Mountain, and so you get to play as Dr. Boom or, like, Rafam or whatever in a single-player mode against, like, Ragnaros and Nefarian and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and so you can complete your quests in the single-player in, like, the single-player tavern brawl, and it's, like, so gratifying. Rather than, like, being like, oh, god, I can't believe I got a fucking priest quest, and I have to, like, you know, put together some shit-ass priest deck out of my garbage cards and try and, like, win three on ladder or something like that, right? You can just kind of, like, do it through the through the tavern brawl. Neat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add besides that. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's a it's a cool it's a cool thing. Have any of you guys seen um the the news coming out of uh, the news coming out of Comic Con? A little oh, about bit. Marvel, the Marvel stuff. Yeah. So the big thing they they got released is kind of like the the new upcoming like Marvel Phase Four slate. Yeah. I feel like Phase Four is going to be like you know the kind of uh, the kind of um, I don't know what what would you call this like a. Like an intermission, almost. Uh, they said they're not doing any big team up movies or anything kind of along those lines. Um, so there's like Black Panther two, Guardians three, um, but uh, but the big news is Thor four, where Natalie Portman is coming back as Jane Foster, who is the female Thor from the comics, which were god awful, by the way. Um, actually, that's not entirely true. In the other comics she was in, she was fine, but in the specific Thor run by, I think his name was Jason Aaron, that line of comics was very bad. Um, so I hope they get away from that as, poss- as far away from that as possible. And then there's also the Eternals, and then there's also Shang-Chi and Blade uh, announced with Mahershala Ali. Yeah, that's that's a travesty. Bring bring back Wesley Snipes. I, I knew Is that a travesty? <laughs> um, so I, I've I've seen a suggestion online, which I think would make a lot of sense. Is that you should bring back Wesley Snipes as um, he's got a mentor in the comics named Jamal something. Um, that mm. that Wesley Snipes could be, and that'd be a nice not like I'm sure he'll have a cameo somewhere at the very yeah. least because they you know I think Lou Ferrino had like a cameo in the uh, in the uh, Incredible Hulk film. Um, yeah, yeah, at least one of them, did, right? Yeah. You must have. Was he a security guard or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, something, something like that, right? Yeah, um, but I think that would go, you know, 
don't know. I, I, I really liked... I haven't seen them in a while. I need to go back and rewatch them. But I really like those uh, those films, especially... What, what's what's the, uh, the quote? Motherfucker's trying to ice skate uphill, I think. Uphill? The... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know... It'll be what it is. I, you know, they're all so far out that I can't bring myself to care yet. Uh-huh. Right? Like, the Eternals has a pretty. I was just looking it up. They have a pretty star-studded. Yeah, it's right? got Kumail Ninjani. Is, is yeah, it's well, got, I was thinking uh, it has Angelina Jolie and it has yeah. Salma Hayek and it has. Uh, is she really star-studded anymore? Has has she fallen off? I feel like there was a while where she was like a big movie star, but what has she been in? That's like a big movie star. That's true. I Maybe I don't know. But the the guy who played uh, Rob Stark is the main character, I think. Oh, Richard uh-huh. Madden. I honestly don't know anything about Eternals. It's one of the like my blind spots when it comes to comics lore, um, just because like I never read it. It never really interacted with the other stuff that I was interested in. Um, I am very happy to see Scott Derrickson come back for Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse. Um, whatever that's supposed to be, they have said that it's the first horror. Marvel movie, which I'm a little like, what? Uh, and also, apparently, Scarlet Witch is going to play a role in that one. She's going to be like in the main cast, so that's uh, that's that's neat. That's interesting, I guess. Um, and then they also talked a little bit about like the TV shows that are coming out, like the Winter Soldier TV show, the Loki TV show, which everyone guessed correctly starts with Loki teleporting out um, from the End Game thing. Uh, this is all going to be on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, this is all all this stuff's going to be like Disney Plus fucking exclusive. Are you planning? And it's all do... at least a year out, if not two years out. Are you? Yeah, are you planning to do Disney Disney Plus stuff? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. Well, I'll see what the reviews are like when it comes out, and then I'll decide. It's one of those things where, like, I I feel like they might oversaturate it. They're coming out with four, five, five TV shows. Yeah, that's a yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do feel like they need. Uh, they need a real reason for people to sign up besides just like watch fucking the little mermaid, you know, movie before the little mermaid remake comes out and makes a gazillion dollars. And we all fucking cry because culture is dead, but, um, <laughs> Why is culture dead? I don't know. I, I really don't. I, the, half of all I, movies are owned by Disney. The other half are owned by the Chinese. God damn I was, it. I was so disheartened because, the Lion King, everybody's been shitting all over the Lion King. It was rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, all this other stuff. And uh, and so I was very excited to hear that, like, the Lion King wasn't going to do well or whatever. It was just well, you were excited to hear it wasn't doing well? What? Yes, I want them to not. I think these movies are bad. But, um, oh, okay. So uh, are you against all then, the, like, live-action remakes? Like the... I am pretty fundamentally against uh, all of them. I have not okay. liked any of them that I have seen, except for unless you count Maleficent. I think of Maleficent in a different category because it's like, you know, it's a dramatic retelling from a completely different perspective with like a completely different narrative structure, right? But if you're just changing who Simba is and making him, you know, in CG rather than in cartoon animation or whatever, you know. Like I didn't, I hated the Jungle Book. Honestly, uh, you didn't think it needed that. an update though, because I feel like those uh, those classic Disney films maybe they don't really stand the test of time. Uh, that's, I that's love bullshit. like they they need to at least be remastered or something, you know. Uh, I don't think you know, that's I... true. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine, right? Like you know, it's a style of animation from that time. You know, yeah, that's that's like saying we need to like reshoot fucking. Oh, on, uh, actually, on the topic King. of the Lion King, 
Uh, apparently, it's completely ripped off from a Japanese anime called Kimba. The, the main oh, character yeah, yeah. is Kimba. Kimba, Kimba the White Lion. Kimba I, mean, the White I, Lion. I will say... The the Kimba Simba thing is just a coincidence. Simba means lion in Swahili, but uh, but yeah, no, it absolutely was ripped off by Kimba the White Lion. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's off every of Kimba the White Lion. To be fair, that's every classic Disney cartoon is you know ripping off a fairy tale at least. Well, no, it wasn't a no, fairy no, no, tale. No, no, no. It was like a standalone. It's like a, Kimba the White modern, Lion is a movie. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, so and, like, uh, it was it was like a, a cartoon. Uh, it was basically an anime set in the same like it was made the same time period that the Lion King was being made. Yeah, the same thing happened with uh, with Aladdin because they were also making an Arabian Nights movie. I think or no, 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 no. What happened with Aladdin is that one of their big animators left to go work on his passion project, which was like uh, a Shahrazad Arabian Nights animated movie, um, and then Disney made Aladdin. And beat it to the <laughs> and beat it to the box office, uh, which was, boy, it's fucked up. <laughs> but anyway, I just I don't like these Disney remakes, and I was excited for The Lion King not to make any money, and then I read that it made like eighty million dollars on Friday alone, and I was like, oh. I bet it made it international. Oh. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe. And also, it's kind of like one of those things where kids want to see it, so it's like. Their bread and butter is to exploit children. Yeah, I also just don't really like. I've I've never been on the Lion King train to begin with. Really? Um, yeah, I never like one of those li- overanalyzed li- pieces of film where it's like, oh, it's Hamlet, and it's like in the. I mean, the is Serengeti. it really that overanalyzed? It, it's Hamlet. Yeah, no, I mean, I and, I and I get that, and I definitely appreciate it more over time. But for some reason, it just like hit me the wrong way. Um, mm. Like I like Beauty and the Beast a lot. I like uh, I like Aladdin a lot. I never liked the Little Mermaid. Um, but, uh, but Lion King and Toy Story both came out, I think in 1995 and I was, I guess I was just having a bad year as a five-year-old because I hated both of those movies. <laughs> so Dude, I have Toy like, Story no, no, was no, so no. good. I don't know. In my opinion. I think I love Toy, Toy Story 2. When Toy yeah. Story 2 came out, I was like a fucking fanatic for that film. But for Toy Story 1, I was just like, this movie's I feel slam. like 3 three was like, they might have jumped Toy the Story And then okay. I heard bad things about 4, so I don't know. I never even saw 4. The best, the best animated Disney film is The Great Mouse Detective. Okay, listen. <laughs> Prove me wrong. The Great Mouse Detective gave me so many fucking nightmares for that final sequence with Radigan and Basil on the odd big oh, the Big clock ben, tower? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah, the yeah. clock tower, yeah. I, Jesus Christ, like forever I am going to be like haunted <laughs> by like the feral Radigan climbing the tower with those, you know, like with those eyes. I, actually, there's a lot of like really scary parts of Disney movies like that. Do yeah, you guys yeah. remember Fantasia? In Fantasia, they do Night on Bald Mountain, and there's this whole thing with, like, the big demon, and he's, like, raising the undead. Also nightmare fuel for a (laughs) four-year-old. And yet, I also watched Fantasia so much that I broke the VHS tape, so, you know. Uh, See, Fantasia was always the boring one for me, because it was, like, music. Bullshit. Because Mango doesn't appreciate good music, basically. Yeah, because Mango doesn't appreciate uh, the art. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love Fantasia. Fantasia was my was my number one when I was when I was a kid. I would watch that all the time. It's probably the one that I watched the most. My favorite is the Jungle Book of kind of the I guess I would call them narrative movies. I think of them in kind of like different categories, but um I also just I really love Fantasia. I even loved Fantasia two thousand when that came out and nobody loved it. Well, kind of in, in, in this vein, this is interesting. Um I started listening to the uh the Gilbert Godfrey podcast uh, called Gilbert Godfrey's Big Huge Humongous Podcast, I think. Um, Wasn't he not casted in the uh, 
the so this is funny. He, so the one episode I listened to was Beverly D'Angelo, um, who is uh, who who was like the mom from the the the, the uh, National Lampoon's Family Vacation, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she congratulated Gilbert Gottfried on the, like well in the middle of the cast on like the success of Aladdin. He's just like you know I wasn't in that one, right? It's, it's, it's a very <laughs> like the whole podcast is very funny. I I can't, can't say beyond the one episode, but it's a great it's a great listen. It's a it's a little bit NSFW. Uh, so, you know, don't listen to it with your kids, um, but it's actually a lot of NSFW. You should definitely don't listen to it with your kids, but it's, it's funny. And I can recommend it. Um, uh, but they talk, they talk a little bit about like inside, inside Hollywood type stuff um, from that era. Uh, they talk a little bit about like Chevy Chase and whatever. Um, and it's kind of like their own, their own kind of like life paths. Cause apparently Beverly D'Angelo was like, she was like a hippie that like got into singing and just randomly got into the film industry and just kind of like like uh stumbled her way through it um mm-hmm. talks about that stuff a little bit it's 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 very interesting i highly recommend it um uh but that was the connection i had there what else what else happened this week i i i this morning i tried out uh a battle wake which is a vr game on uh, the pirate vr did game you play with monic i did not i played by myself um, Is Monic, that the pirate one you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. Both of us kind of like were like, eh, it's all right. Um, and didn't really go past that. Um, I, I highly agree with that. It's it's a neat game, but it's not. It's nothing uh, nothing crazy. Uh, that's what they need to do. They need to make auto chess for VR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't get the kind of uh, desire to play these, uh, these games like... Uh, uh, in uh, like 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 play like tabletop type games in VR. I, I just don't understand the the appeal there. But you know, I haven't. I, haven't I feel like for either. RTS and for FPS, it can be good. like FPS uh, makes FPS. sense to me, but RTS does not. Right? Like I can. I don't see how how it's any better. I also don't really like RTS games. So you know, there's there's that. Um, but, That's you know. fair, I guess. I understand. Uh, I understand that. I did play. Uh, I've been announcing this on the cast for a couple of weeks that I was streaming um, uh, a sister studio, not a sister studio, just like another game design studio that we know asked us to play their new game, Etherborn, uh, on our company channel, which I did for like an hour and a half, a little bit more longer, longer than that. Etherborn is a crazy gravity manipulation puzzle platformer uh game i played the first three levels on stream mango is there i was not very good at it um but uh but i did want to just kind of uh give it a quick shout out as i honestly want to go back and play more of that game even though i was so fucking bad at it It (laughs) yeah because like the the the, x did you see any of this game at all no i didn't get a chance to okay so etherborn the cool thing about etherborn is that uh it's like so you run along like gravity right like a plane right but if there is a if there is a slope up uh, like a 90 degree angle that will change your gra- your plane of gravity to the new to the new angle right so uh, so initially your gravity is y axis down right and then you walk up one of those 90 degree angles and now your your gravity is x-axis down and mm-hmm. so like that creates all of this different like all of these different interactions in how you navigate a given like a given space like even just like so you can't traverse a corner right like if i walk to a corner and then fall 
I will be on the same plane of gravity, right? But if that corner is a slope, I will change my, I will rotate my plane of gravity to a different axis or whatever. And it's just such a neat, like, gameplay conceit. And they have done a bunch of cool things with it, uh, and these, like, mechanics with little keystones and stuff like that. I wanted to give it a shout out. It is, it is out now. It is very cool. I'm going to be playing it some more. Uh, maybe I'll continue streaming on, like, the Some Derps channel or something along those lines. Who knows? All right, yeah, no, it was it was it was definitely fun to watch, uh, fun to watch you screw it up. Um, <laughs> I fell so many times. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it wasn't even like the platform. It wasn't even. I'm sorry, it wasn't even the puzzling that was hard. It was the platforming. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just like if, if I'm gonna speak frankly, that 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 was the thing that looked a little bit weak. It looked like they were they were like the, the pl- pl- platforming wasn't particularly smooth. Um, did look like the challenges were too hard, but you know. So uh, yeah, I do want to be clear about the platforming. It recommends that you play with a controller so that you have 360 degrees of an axis. I was playing on keyboard and mouse where you're doing WASD. So technically speaking, you only have eight directions in which right. you can move. Uh, cause you know, you can only do like WD to move, you know, like diagonally sort of thing. And that was what caused all of my trouble. There were a couple of jumps where it was like, the, the jump itself was like 120 degrees or something. And I had to make it when I could only be 90 sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and so that was hard, but you know, we got there. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was definitely fun to watch. And definitely it looked like a good puzzle game, even if the, even if the platforming mechanics weren't necessarily the, uh, uh, the, they the weren't tightest. up to mango standard is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, of course they aren't, you know. Can't beat, can't beat Mario. Can't beat Super Mario two, for three, whichever one it was. <laughs> what is it? Is it three? Which one? Oh no, yeah, three, three, three is my favorite. Yeah. Okay, yeah, three okay. is your favorite. I That's what I was like... trying to reference. I yeah. couldn't remember yeah. which one it was. Yeah, yeah, no, three is one of my favorite games of all time. Might be my favorite game of all time. Uh, yeah, you said your or no, no, no. It was Bastion that is the best game of all time. That's so my favorite. That is your favorite. Okay. I'm trying to. I, I try and keep. I, I think favorites are like cool and important. I always want to keep track of them. But you know, hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, that's that's life. There's only so much information. X, what's your favorite video game of all time? That's a good question. X, I don't know, man. I don't think I have one. Cause I, I don't have one game I can think of as like. I can think of the games I've had the most fun with, but there's not just like one game that. So I've so had the so, most so fun what's in your kind of top grouping? I know we're kind of putting you on the spot, but if uh, you... probably like Counter Strike, Dota, League. Uh, so very Diablo. like sports games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, know. it's tough because like you know I've played a, I've sunk a lot of hours into League, but I don't know that I would say it's one of my favorite games of all time. Which yeah. is funny because I've sunk a lot of hours in WoW, and I think I would say that's one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really know what the difference is. It's just kind of I'm just trying to like you know in a certain sense these are like gut check yeah. decisions that I haven't really interrogated. Right. I'm like I, I guess I'm much more personally connected to the lore in WoW. I'm constantly frustrated by the lore in League of Legends. You mean the lack of lore? Yeah, really honestly, just like the lack of lore. They have this philosophy. I read they they put out a post um at some point where they were kind of like you can't do normal narratives in games, you know, you need to think about you can't do plot, you have to do whatever. And um and I understand that and i and i respect that point of view but it's fucking stupid <laughs> so <laughs> that's my <laughs> but the thing is my... they might as well have gone the the dota one route where the plot was basically ancient good fights ancient evil that's the whole plot that's it there's no like anything else 
But what they yeah, do I is mean, they tease you with these little tidbits that sort of like pick at the lore without actually like un- unveiling what the lore is. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly what it is. And they have these very like pregnant, like dramatic moments, if that makes sense. Like Twisted Fate and Graves were like buds, but then Twisted Fate sold out Graves and now Graves fucking hates TF or whatever. But it's like you can never like execute on that drama in a real and like fun way because what are you gonna do graves gets his revenge and kills twisted fate twisted fate is dead he's no longer in league of legends all tf mains commit seppuku you know what i mean like <laughs> what, do you, what do you fucking do with that kind of now, thing i would actually not mind that it, like just like tf2 gets disabled for a year and then he gets like resurrected <laughs> by like i don't know Aldrich magic <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, I also think to a certain extent, uh, uh... Like, hasn't the Ionian invasion been going on since, like, season two? Yeah, and it's like this, this, it's this kind of, um, what do I call this? It's like a, like a, like a foundational pillar, sort of, of, like, lore, right? Swain and Aurelia hate each other because Swain is the general of the occupying army and Aurelia is, like, the resistance you know, she's, like, the resistance leader or kind of, like, whatever else. And you have these champions who are, like, friends with one another. Like, Yasuo and Talia meet, and Yasuo teaches Talia how to use her elemental powers because he also has elemental powers, right? You know, like, he has wind powers and she has, like, earth powers. And I think they do, like, one-off stories and stuff like that. I know that they have, like, a Lux comic book coming out. Isn't Yasuo um, haunted because Riven ex- uh, assassinated some dude and then she yeah. got blamed for it? <laughs> yeah. He was his story is that uh, like he was supposed to be defending this like ancient elder sage guy, but uh, but it was boring. So he, like he went to go fight in the battle, and then while he was gone, Riven executed the guy. And they think that Yasuo did it on purpose to help the Noxians, which is why he's in exile. <sighs> and on top of that, they also have like these skins. And one of the neatest features that I actually really appreciate that they've added since I've come back is that like when you browse skins, it'll have a little like blurb where it's like. You know, like, High Noon Lucian is like, oh, Lucian is a sheriff of a mining town, but he made a deal with the devil, and now he has fucking devil guns. Pew, pew, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> whatever, right? Like, that's so cool! And I, I never like, noticed that. <laughs> I almost want, you know, like, I almost want them to be like, they, and they released a cinematic about this. They released, um the odyssey cinematic which is like a very colorful sort of rainbow sci-fi spacefaring adventure it's honestly just guardians of the galaxy but league champions um and i was like so they're releasing cinematics of lore of skin groupings but not cinematics of lore in their main (laughs) you know what i mean like whatever yeah i I definitely want to see a cinematic for the uh for the the miami vice au uh, yeah, 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 the Demacia Vice yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, the last graphic I watched, I think it was literally just the Ionian invasion, and I was like, how is this still going on? <laughs> oh, that was the one with, like, Aurelia fighting Scion, right? Yeah, 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 and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, wait yeah, a yeah. minute, this is so well, season two, what the heck? just that, because, like, it's like, it's kind of like the old WoW cinematics, where it's just kind of a group of different unrelated action beats there's not really like a there you know like there's not really like a story to it there's like a oh really bit of plot oh. yeah well, well so yeah, i saw it and i just assumed it was the ionian invasion but I'm it, like, is, wait a no, it, it, it is the ionian invasion and it's aurelia in the ionian invasion versus like scion or whatever and then like other people like yasuo and uh and karma show up but um uh but there's also camille versus Jin. 
There's also Draven versus oh, Riven right. in like a Noxian right. arena. So it's more than just, you know, like one one thing or another. I apologize Fair for enough. the sirens. Um anyway, so I just I just hope that one day they figure out how to do stuff with their lore uh that is that is like fun and engaging rather than just like I don't know. I just like I'm frustrated by it. I think the 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 feeling I have is frustration. Well, at least they have a TFT as their second game, so now that they can actually earn their moniker of Riot Games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is that they said that it's not a different game. They said it's just. A oh, they did it. Oh yeah, my goodness. That's what they. That's what they said me? when people were asking about it. They were like, "Oh, so you, so you have a second game?" They're like, "Well, we think of Team Fight Tactics sort of in the same way we think of ARAM, and that it's a different game mode of League of Legends." And I was just like, "Oh my god, you idiots!" But whatever, I'm not gonna get mad about that. <laughs> need, like, if they had made like. Oh god, they had so much opportunity to make like I don't know, like an RPG or something. Yeah, they bought that. Um, they bought that one guy's uh, stu- that one studio, the fighting game studio. Yeah, uh, what, what was what is it? Uh, I forget the one that made uh, Rising Thunder. I forget yeah, what the, name yeah, of the yeah. studio was, but yeah. <sighs> I I would have loved the League fighting game. Yeah, right. And maybe who knows? Maybe that is what they're making. Like I, you know. I couldn't say. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't know, man. They've been saying they were going to make more than one game since the beginning. Mm. According to themselves, they've only made one game since the beginning. I don't know. They, there's, there's, I think the thing that frustrates me the most is that I like a lot of these, like, characters, and I like, you know, like Pike. When Pike kills you with his ultimate, your sound drops out and he like whispers something. He's like, oh, you you go to a watery grave or whatever. It's just like little moments like that are just like so neat and flavorful and cool, right? But it's just like completely worthless because <laughs> you know all it is 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 kind of it's it's just like a neat little character tidbit and there's nothing there's no oomph behind it of like an actual kind of I don't know plot or progression or any of these other kinds of things that I want out of stories. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I think I think we've kind of hit the end. We've hit the end of our runtime. That seems like a good enough place to end it. Unless any of you had some other thoughts. Uh, well, uh, in that case, if you'd like to tell us what you think about Team Fight Tactics or any other things that we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at podcast.com or subversiveplaygames at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash games. Send us your questions for the 200 episode extravaganza. It's episode 196. None of you have sent us any questions. Please send us questions. I want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> that includes you, Eric. Send us a question. Uh, <laughs> send us questions for the for the 200th episode. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, X, did you have anything you wanted to promote while you were here? No, I'm good. Uh, buddy, you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing. Uh, well, actually, I do have one quick thing to promote, which is just a very small teaser. The new game that my company is working on is coming out soon. Be on the lookout. All right. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Then, in that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.